Congratulations for finding your way to the 175th episode of Rank and Review. I'm your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons, and this is indeed the season finale of the seventh season of Rank and Review. And so that makes it special on one, you know, count. And on another count, my sons, Owen and Tristan Parsons, are going to be my guests this week. We've all been locked in quarantine and, uh, I thought it would be a good way to include them in my little, my little hobby, my little podcast project, and I've really enjoyed it. So usually I say there's going to be spoilers and coarse language, and you should watch out for that. I stand by the fact that there will be spoilers, but I'm going to try and watch my language this episode. We're going to look at six features directed at children, which I know is quite different from your typical feel of Franken Review, but... I'm going to ask you to indulge me. I think I've earned it. It's been 175 episodes, damn it. Please send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. But be nice to my boys. Right? Respect. I don't need trolls for my kids. (laughs) And check out the website at rankandreview.ca. As always, thank you so much for supporting my podcast. Tristan. Yeah? Yes. You guys can vouch for me because the people who listen to the Rank and Review podcast, they only know me with their ears mostly. How many movies do we have in this house? Too Um, many. I I feel like wanting to go for an exact number. I can't give it to you, but I know at least about a thousand. A thousand movies? Yeah. Wow. Uh, What I do to, you know, avoid dealing with that is I don't count them. This is called avoidance. See, it's, it's we just deny it's, the thing. Yeah, denial. I don't have a movie problem. You have a movie problem. But yeah. I've sort of tried to pass on my movie fascination to you boys. But you guys kind of grow up in the age of video games and YouTube videos. So you're not the cinephiles that I was growing no. up. 
We still watch movies. Yeah. But it's not like your favorite pastime. You're not passionate about it necessarily, right? No, not. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I enjoy this, this... watching movies, but there are other things I'd like to do. Yeah, it's not the it's not the end all be all. Yeah. It's sort of like when your dad was trying to force feed you guys They Might Be Giants. I think somehow by your dad liking it a lot, I stained it. I gave it like dirty dad fingerprints, which made it less cool to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. We still love watching movies and yeah. stuff. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. But I'm really happy that you guys are going to do this episode of Rank and Review with me. And uh, part of the reason I'm really happy about it other than just including my voice, um, is that I can sort of maybe try and articulate that for you. Uh, the thing that I like about movies is that, they're well, they're, I like stories. I also like books, and I also like, you know, comics, and I like all those sorts of things. But I think that stories are kind of the main thing that, you know, differentiate the human animal from all the other animals yeah. that we have. I right? mean, movies are yeah. pretty much just audiobooks but you see what's going on that's right but animals do all the sort of things same things we do right animals have kids and they love their kids and they look after their kids except snakes snakes eat their babies and there's <laughs> the slightest chance of danger but generally speaking right they build homes and they live in them they're different yeah. than our homes but they they do very much the similar sort of survival things one of the things that's most unique about people i think and about our culture and about all cultures is storytelling. We can use it as an instrument of education, of entertainment, of it can be anything you want it to be. Yeah. You can teach any lesson you want and you can wrap it up in a story or an anecdote for somebody and they remember it and it sticks with them more. And you can tell variations of the same story over and over again. How many different Star Wars movies has there been and how many will there be? Right? Uh, that's, I, that, that's the kind of thing that I like. Like it's it seems simple, but there's so many variations to it that, that it's like almost infinite. So we're going to talk about this episode of Rank and Review. Six movies that are aimed at kids, but that have some themes in them that are similar to sort of... Well, I usually talk about science fiction, fantasy, and horror movies on my podcast. And I think all of the movies at least touch on one or all three of those. Yeah. Is there anything you guys want to say to the world of the internet about yourselves hmm. before we get started on this list? Um, I haven't seen the. D I have. I haven't gone outside in like a couple days. Yeah. Well, we've been under quarantine for a long time. You guys have been really good sports about this. It's not much of a yeah. change for us besides yeah. not being able to buy absurd amounts of junk food. Well, and in the winter time, it's easier to stay in the house because it sucks outside. Yeah. Which is weird, because yeah. I prefer winter over summer. <laughs> yeah. But you're weird. You know why you're weird? Because I can bend my fingers backwards. Yeah, and because you're half me, you poor thing. Yeah, you're that's half most, me. That's most likely right. Is there anything you want to say to the people on the internet, Tristan, about yourself or about movies or about anything? Um, I just sort of... I just sort of... want to say that. I just sort of... I really enjoy movies, mainly because... It sort of goes back to what he said about pretty much I think the main reason people like movies is that it shows stories that most of the time people know that they can't experience. For example, there are a few times where 
the government will place a giant dome over you. That's right. I don't think, hopefully we don't experience that at any point. Yeah. But the movies can let us live sort of these different adventures sort of vicariously. Do you know what I mean? Vicariously. Yeah. Yeah. You can sort of pretend you're Bart Simpson and you sort of like that experience is your experience. What about you, Owen? Is there anything you want to say by way of introduction? Um, No, that's it. Okay. Well, the six movies that me and my boys, Owen and Tristan Parson, are going to talk about this episode. We're going to talk about the Sleepy Hollow or the Adventures of Ichabod Crane, a classic Disney short film. We're going to talk about Daffy Duck and the Quackbusters. We're going to talk about the Simpsons movie. We're going to talk about the nouveau version of Scooby-Doo called Scoob. We're going to talk about a maybe scary movie called The House with the Clock in Clocks in Its Walls, right? Yeah. yeah. And we're going to finish it off this episode by talking about the very popular and well-received Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You guys are awesome. Tristan, can you say, my name is Tristan, and this is the sound of my voice for me? My name is Tristan, and this is the sound of my voice. Perfect. Owen, can you do the same thing? My name is Owen, and this is the sound of my voice. You're supposed to say, my name is Tristan, just to prove me. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Okay. Do you guys smell popcorn? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a reason that you guys smell popcorn. I'm going to show you guys a short movie right away here. But before I do, I wanted to ask you guys a couple questions. That's okay. <laughs> All righty. If I was to say um, someone was superstitious, would you guys know what that means? Uh, yes. Yeah, I know. What would you think, Tristan? Wait, what? What would you think of, if I said somebody was superstitious, what would that mean to you? They believe in stuff that is... They believe in stuff with a bare minimum amount of, amount of stuff, for example. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. yeah, no? Do you have a thought on that, Owen? No, that's basically it. Well, for me, I mean, somebody can believe in things or not. It's not, you can believe in, you know, UFOs or Bigfoot or ghosts and not necessarily be superstitious. You can be interested in those things and not necessarily be superstitious. But a superstitious person tends to have a lot of customs and beliefs that they rely on. For instance, some people think if you spill salt, it's unlucky. So if you ever see somebody spill salt on the table and they take a little bit and they throw it over their shoulder... That's a superstition that they use to avoid bad luck. Do you guys know anything about the superstition about breaking a mirror? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Bad luck for seven years. Yeah. Same with stuff like walking under a ladder and... Exactly. To me, a superstitious person is a person who takes that sort of thing more seriously. Who wouldn't walk under a ladder, right? Okay. Um, and for me, like as someone who believes in ghosts or, or, or sort of unexplainable things is just a believer to me. But it's a fine thing. But in the story we're going to watch, the main character, Ichabod Crane, is very superstitious. And that uh, part of his personality is used against him. Okay. 
This is a half an hour short animated film made by Disney, and it was made in 1949. I'm not even sure if you're old. If you, you weren't born yet, were I you? wasn't alive. Right, I wasn't good. alive by like over 20 years and some. So uh, it's an old movie, but when I saw it as a kid, it was what made me aware of superstition. And I'd heard on the schoolyard something about stepping on a crack break your mother's back and i got almost a complex about not stepping on the cracks in the sidewalk but in the small town i grew up in which was beaumont uh there was just it was insurmountable there were cracks everywhere so i just made it a rule on the block where our house was i did not step on cracks and to the best of my ability and to the best of my knowledge i held true to that but here's how superstitious I was as a kid. In the wintertime, when everything's covered by snow, how do you know where the cracks are? So you just didn't go out in snow at all? <laughs> yeah, Tristan's got the solution, stay inside. Yeah. My solution would be that you were not stepping on a crack, you're stepping on snow. A um, couple more things just before we watch the movie. How do you guys feel about a ghost story? Yeah. 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 The interesting thing about this ghost story, it was written by a man called Washington Irving, and it was one of the first things, like, out truly, quote, American ghost stories, where they were sort of creating their own culture instead of emulating the European culture, which, which was which settled the Americas. This is sort of the first real ghost story that got really popular and people liked, because for some reason, ghost stories seem to stick in people's heads. They like those stories. They like to remember them. And uh, this is a very early one, which is why, even though it's kind of scary, it's a Walt Disney cartoon. Do you guys want to watch it? All right. We sure. don't get a choice. <laughs> For a rollicking ride through Sleepy Hollow, Walt and Bing bring to laughable, colorful light Washington Irving's exciting legend with that awkward schoolmaster, Ichabod Crane. Ichabod, maybe Crane. Maybe Arden, maybe he ain't. Anyway, there's no complaint from Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Ichabod Crane, daring, reckless, losing his heart to Katrina the cutie, yeah. and his head when pursued by the hair-raising headless horseman. <laughs> So believe it or not, you guys, I thought that was really scary when I was little. Well, it's understandable. I mean, you were probably like, what, five or something? I don't know how old I was when I first watched it, but I was really young. But it was the first thing that gave me the idea of like what a superstitious person was. And it was different from most Disney movies because all of the characters in it were not one-sided. Usually with Disney movies, you have a really good character or a really bad character. Yeah. Ichabod, right? He was mostly a nice person, but he kept on stealing food. If you watch mm. throughout that, he was stealing food all the time. And he was as much interested in getting wealthy from being with that Katrina than, than you, you know, being really in love with her. But Brom is kind of a bully character, too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. 
And the other question a lot of people say, did Brahms scare him away by purposefully telling him the story and then dressing up like a headless horseman? And maybe that's why Ichabod ran away? Or did he legitimately get scared by the ghost and disappear? The, it's one of those things where it's a Disney show usually gives you all the answers, and this one doesn't. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The one thing I found surprising throughout that is how, is like how strong Ichabod is. He's super strong. He can lift a whole donkey with his heels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he somehow is quick enough to avoid sword slashes constantly. Yep. Uh, I noticed that Owen was made uncomfortable by the romantic angle of the yep. show. So why is it? Why do you find the romantic stuff harder to watch than the scary stuff? Do you think? Because I know that the scary stuff has a purpose. <laughs> and the, you don't think the romantic stuff did? The no. whole the it's called a love triangle. I'm, it's unfortunate you don't like it because it's one of those things that's incredibly common in yeah, storytelling. Unfortunately, I'm aware. See, yeah, and I honestly enjoy the idea of a love triangle. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you like the idea of it? Well, sort of. Yeah, you're dead to me, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> but even even the girl they were competing over, I think it was her name, Katrina. I don't know. I just mentally I, referred to the skinny guy, the jock, and the girl. Well, the, she uh, she enjoyed the rivalry between the men and the attention, and she kind of fostered the the disagreement between them. So even she wasn't one dimensional. Yeah. And it's just one of the first times that I noticed that when I was a kid. How do you guys figure? I know it's a really old cartoon, but do you think it was a pretty good show? Or yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I also enjoyed the type of animation that they decided to go for. Yeah, yeah, I miss uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah, it allow. Yeah, the style actually allows you to do stuff like make your characters go super fast without making it without seeming out of place. That's right. Well, thank you guys for watching Legends of Sleepy Hollow. Do you have any other things you'd like to say about it? Nope, nothing. Nothing you'd like to say about it? Yeah, yeah we're making this short for you so you don't have to edit as much. Oh, that's very kind of you. Well, just for a fun fact, when it was originally released, it was released with another short film, which was an ad- adaptation of The Wind in the Willows, or The Adventures of Mr. Toad, I believe. But it used to air all the time around Halloween when I was a kid as a Disney special. Check out The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And it scared me pretty bad. So you guys must have some hard bark on you. Eh. Eh. That or maybe the internet just scarred us enough and now we don't feel pain. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll find something that'll scare you. Yeah. Got problems with your ghoul friend? Not getting enough exorcise? Who you gonna duck call? Oh, Roto-Rooter! Try again. Gappy Duck's the name. The Supernatural's my game. It's Dappy, Bugs, Porky, Sylvester, and Tweety. You bad old putty duck. A veritable paragon of wholesome family entertainment. Dappy Duck's Quackbusters, a new animated feature from Warner Brothers. It's everything it's quacked up to be. I'm recording this. Fight, fight, fight. Okay, stop fighting for a second. We have to talk about some really important stuff. Right, right. So how do you guys feel about the Looney Tunes gang? You know, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, that whole crew. Even I, like, as a kid, I sort of had, like, this 
hatred of Daffy Duck. Like, oh my god, when, when is this guy gonna die already? Well, he's a love to hate character. He's obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of those in those cartoons. Do you know Foghorn Leghorn? No. He's a big old rooster, and he's very bossy oh. and obnoxious. <laughs> Uh, and he doesn't mean it, but he just comes off as kind of a, a loudmouth. And Daffy Duck is much the same way. But he, he's a good foil. Bugs Bunny always makes him look stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed Looney Tunes a lot, too. And for some reason, even though this was the late 80s when this came out, I was excited to see this when it came out. And here's the weird thing about Quackbusters. What? It's not even a real movie. <laughs> what? It's a... Uh, it's made out of a bunch of shorts that were produced in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and a very limited amount of new animation was done in 1988, and they spliced this together into a Frankenstein's monster of a movie, which That's... I made you guys watch. To be fair, like, in 30 years, he's gonna... They may go like, oh, they took that from that one show. Mm-hmm. Just to... An interesting thing happened to me with the Looney Tunes characters, though. When I was a kid, my allegiances are different than they are now. When I was a kid, I was always happy that, like, the Roadrunner, for instance, would get away from the coyote. But as I got older, when I was watching it, I would be like, this thing started with the coyote so starving and so skinny, he was trying to eat a tin can for supper. He was so hungry. And this bird is what he's designed to eat. That's what the coyote's designed to do, right? Yeah, and also, he just sort of ruined the whole Looney Tunes thing, but coyotes actually can run faster than roadrunners. Is that fake? Is that cartoon fake? Yeah. Oh my god, that wasn't the live-action remake of... But also, the Roadrunner would break the rules of, like, physics in existence <laughs> to thwart the coyote. He never had a chance of catching the Roadrunner. So, like, now I'm on his side. Sylvester the Cat is an interesting case because, for me, when he was chasing Tweety, whatever. I'm cheering for Tweety 100% of the time. But they also had these episodes where he had this little son with him. And he was always trying to teach his son to catch mice. And that's what cats do, is they catch yeah. mice. And he would always be humiliated or thwarted or beaten up by a kangaroo that's dressed like a mouse. <laughs> his, his son would be so disappointed that he would disown his father by the end of the cartoon. And I'm like, well, no, that's just a dad cat spending quality time with his son cat doing cat stuff. Like, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Anyway, it's interesting that Daffy Duck would be the person that they would make the the lead of this movie. Because like you say, Bugs Bunny is the star. You know, Bugs Bunny is the guy that we're here to see. So Yeah, yeah but like, who I mean, do you it's, think? I mean, it's good to see him get incredibly anxious. <laughs> That's right. And get what he deserved at the very end. So, um, I, I will say some stuff that I didn't like about it or did like about it. And then I'll ask for your feedback. Can you not pull those threads, though? All right. <laughs> Thanks, bud. We'll just the the mattress will last longer if we don't pull it apart, right? Yeah, I guess so. You're super strong. Ah, uh, the first eight minutes of the movie and the opening credits completely boring and unfunny. So says your dad. Yeah. I wanted to get to the shorts. Once we get to the classic shorts, I'm all over it. Um, Daffy Duck was selling the used car at the beginning of the movie. And he was offering free beers with purchase. 
Did you remember this? No. I thought that was a weird inclusion that any kid's cartoon he was offering free beer for well, people I mean, to buy his book. it's kind of strange you also that, work like, for the You also work for the RCMP, so that might have just yeah. been your radar going yeah. off. Uh, I also noticed the Daffy Duck uses the same tactic as your dad when he wants to get something from you. He tickles people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that, you know, one. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. And you can just say please, by the way. Like, you don't need to tickle me while I have the salt. You can just ask for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he tried that, but he, but he said no. Um, so some of the stuff that we saw from the shorts were parodies of things, but it's sort of like when you guys are watching The Simpsons or The Family Guy, which is probably too mature for you or whatever, but it'll make reference to old TV shows and stuff that's predates you, not of your time. So it either has to work and be silly of its own self or, you know, if it's not, if it doesn't mean anything to you, like, will you enjoy it? And I find in a Looney Tunes construct, it doesn't. For instance, I'm pretty sure neither of you guys have read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, I know of the... Yeah, I know the main thing. It's a thing. common thing. Yeah, it's a familiar yeah. story. But they sort of use that as an idea <laughs> yeah. to, to riff on. And then yeah. we get monster versions of them. It's a clever run on that. Um, yeah. Here's a question. You guys watched Looney Tunes as a kid. I'm a responsible father. I let you watch Looney Tunes. Yeah. Sylvester could talk in the Looney Tunes cartoons, right? Yeah, he, he could. Why did he not talk in this? Did you notice he was mute to this? He was like, well, I mean, he did his... talk occasionally. Yeah. 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 In the cartoon show, he would talk. In this movie, he was largely like when they were trying. There's a whole bit with Porky Pig and him in a, in a haunted mansion, and the gag is is that he sees the ghost, but Porky Pig doesn't. But he never is, explains it to Porky Pig. He just kind of just points and <laughs> freaks out. And I just. Sylvester was never mute. That's not how I remember it. Yeah. Also, Sylvester was never Porky's pet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. A, a, an exorcism episode where Daffy Duck goes to help a lady duck who's got a ghosts inside, and then he pulls the ghosts out of her, and they go inside of him, which makes reference to the movie Ghostbusters, which you guys did see a while yeah. ago. I'm pretty sure the movie I was actually based off of that. Yeah, and there's also references to The Exorcist, which you guys haven't seen, but we're going to watch right after this, right before bed. All right. No, we're not. We're going to wait until later when you're ready for The Exorcist. Yeah, Maybe which not is this never. But it, again, it's a weird sort of edgy thing for a kid's cartoon to yeah. deal with exorcism and, and possession. Yeah. You don't see that very often these days anymore. Yeah. And also we're just going to ignore the fact that Bugs Bunny kinda killed the abominable snowman. <laughs> yeah. Well I wanted to talk about that too. I find the abominable snowman weirdly adorable. Yeah. I I want a bunny rabbit. And I and will they, love him and, and squeeze him and call him George. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I especially love, like, the other characters' reactions to him. <laughs> like, the idea of being his pet's not really great, but, like, he, he genuinely wants to pet. He, like, he seems, like, kind of lovable in a way. And yeah. they make him go to Florida, and he melts into a puddle, and I think that's kind of sad. Yeah. He just wanted to share some love with a little cute furry animal. Yeah. I just realized, for some reason, I found it really funny the way Daffy responded to... 
Like, not just fear, because I was getting old. No, just like tired, but also like really terrified. <laughs> She's like, I'm not a bunny rabbit. Please put me down. You're hurting but me. George. <laughs> You're hurting me. I, yes, you are hurting me. And, uh, uh, wait a minute. Bunnies do not have feathers. You lied to me, George. I don't know. I thought he was a... So, we have this theme, because Daffy Duck made this place that, you know, is supposed to be Ghostbusters or investigating Supernatural. And there's a Dracula bit, and there's a Frankenstein, or a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde bit, and there's uh, a weird, you know, monster from a laboratory experiment. I always thought that monster was kind of funny because he didn't have arms. He's just like legs and fur. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then there's this short at the end about the tiny elephant. Yeah. That what does that have to do with anything? Like, thematically. Yeah. Do you know what I mean when I say thematically? Uh, it doesn't match up with the other things. Exactly. Seen. Everything else was sort of like Halloween-themed or scary, spooky-themed. Within yeah. the context of a kid's fun cartoon. And then we have the little elephants that people are seeing and going, you know, crazy and signing themselves away into the loony bin because they think that they've lost it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know. That was a good therapy. The therapy boom was pretty fun, though. Just yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> just swap places. It all began when I was fucked. <laughs> And we've got classic bits of Bugs Bunny dressing up as a lady or giving people haircuts and distracting yeah. them. Yeah. There's all these weird, silly, yeah. classic Looney Tunes bits. Yeah. It just kind of like a just completely unaware Bugs Bunny was that the vampire wasn't there. <laughs> just... Well, he, he taught a lesson in that story he read the book on magic he was having trouble sleeping so he decided to read something he learned about magic words and he used the magic words to repeatedly squish the vampire <laughs> yeah I think that like at the end they, he managed to mix the words together in the right combination <laughs> so even though I said a bunch of mean things about it, it was kind of funny yeah. and we laughed and yeah. we enjoyed it. So that's where I ended up on it. Did you guys have anything you wanted to say about Clackbusters? Well, I just kind of dislike how everyone, how I know it's kind of a bit of the joke. It's how Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny are just completely unaware of stuff and it is pretty funny occasionally, but... Yeah. You get tired of the same joke over and over again? Yeah, and also, I mean, like, you're telling me that... Yeah, and I don't like how mean that Porky kind of treated... Sylvester. Yeah. To be fair, a cat just... Imagine, imagine like, a cat... Like, you're, like, barely... You're like a small person, and then a cat your size just grabs you. And like a few times, he turned the corner, and Sylvester was pointing a gun at him, <laughs> holding a rope with a noose on it and stuff like that. Yeah. So Jeez, Porky like, was feeling a little threatened. You'd but... be terrified. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing I do have to say is that ending bit with, with when Porky said that they might stay for a couple more weeks is. <laughs> His reaction to that just... <laughs> Smashes Porky over the head. <laughs> just takes him out and starts driving. <laughs> we go home now, pig. <laughs> that implies, like... 
I was just going to go with, like, he can only really respond in screams. Like, cats can only respond in meows, because that's all we really immediately hear him say. Yeah. I think he can, like, talk to other cats. Maybe he can talk to, like, his kid and other cats. But maybe he can't talk to other people. I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, I have an important... too deep into this. Yeah, we got, we're, we're really yeah. scratching our heads. I have an important question before we sign off. I yeah. think we did a pretty good job reviewing this movie, but... Favorite Looney Tunes character? Porky Pig. That's Bugs your favorite? Bunny. Porky Pig is your favorite? And Bugs Bunny is your favorite, huh? Yep. Jeez, it's always been tough for me. I don't know. But, uh... Do you guys know Marvin Martian? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's a weird Martian that every time when, when they go into space that would bump into him. I don't know why that dude cracks me up, but Marvin Martian might cracks me up. might have been because of his design, because he's literally just like... A black, he has a black circle on for a head with a, with a circle. We don't even see his like, and I think he's just like a giant shadow because he has a, he's too small for his helmet. There's a helmet and there's some blinking eyes. It's like two eyes glowing in a cave. We don't know what he really looks like, but he's also kind of silly and stupid and amusing. So, uh, it's, I love the Looney Tunes. So even a weak product of the Looney Tunes, which maybe Quackbusters is, is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I like watching it with my boys. All right. Good All right. enough? Yep. Mm-hmm. Thanks, you guys. I won't beat you tonight. Yay. Yay! All right, gentlemen. We are going to watch the Simpsons movie. I know we've seen it before, but I want you guys to have a fresh perspective on it. And then we're going to give it a positive review, or I'm going to send you out into the backyard to dig your own graves. All right, yeah. Does that seem fair? Yeah, relatively fair. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you guys a couple of questions before we watch the movie again. Um, First of all, Tristan, do you have a favorite character from the Simpsons? Hmm... I think it has to be uh, Bart. Bart? Do you relate to Bart, or do you just think he's the funniest? I just think he's the funniest. Okay. And of the episodes from the TV show that you've seen, do you have a favorite episode? Homer's Enemy. Homer's Enemy? You like that one? Uh, Super dark. Yeah. Frank Grimes. That was a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Owen, same questions. Do you have a favorite character Mm -hmm. from The Simpsons? Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fairly good... That's a common choice. He is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Do you have any favorite episodes of the ones you've uh, seen? I don't know the episode name, but it's the one where um, Sideshow Bob marries Aunt Edna. Aunt Selma? Um, Aunt Selma. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that. When you guys like the Sideshow Bob episodes, yeah, I know. those are just good. And yeah. Tristan does not like the Halloween episodes. Are they too scary, or do you don't like that they kill people on those episodes? I think it's too scary. Okay. Well, a little bit of scary stuff happens in the Simpsons movie, but I think you guys can handle it. Yeah, I mean, we saw, like, how many times? Well, I'm going to ask you to watch it just one more, okay? Uh, one okay. more. Let's do it. And then you'll dig our, and then we'll dig our graves. All right. <laughs> All right. Good deal. And a family will fall. It was you! We want Homer! We want Homer! Word apology. It's tossed around a lot these days. 20th Century Fox presents Homer. Ah! Or please. Marge. 
Lisa, Bart, Maggie, Mr. Burns, Smithers, Krusty, Barney, Lenny, Carl, Itchy, Moe, what? Grandpa, Apu, Wiggum, Milhouse, Nelson, Ralph, Selma, Patty, Bumblebee Man, Willie, Jimbo, Skinner, Otto, Rockman, Reverend Lovejoy. Here's the money shot. And a cast of thousands in the movie event 18 years in the making. Flanders! Always room for one more in the Flanders clan. And the fate of the world hangs in the balance. So, in the Simpsons motion picture, which we just watched projected big on the screen there, I think, I mean, Homer doesn't come off super strong. So I guess my first question, asking you guys, who's a better father, Homer Simpson or Larry Parsons? Larry, Larry Parsons. Oh, thanks, you guys. We totally didn't do it because you don't want to dip your own graves or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I already did, but like... <laughs> yeah, we don't want to enter those graves. So I think that the Simpsons movie is a pretty good adaptation of a TV show into a movie. A lot of times when they take something from TV to a movie, it doesn't work super well for yeah. me. But I think this one did. And the entirety of Springfield got put in a dome. Um, yeah. Did what did you guys think? Did it feel like a long episode of The Simpsons, or did it feel like a movie? It felt like a it movie. felt like a movie, and I think what helped with that was the fact that they um they made like they made more dark mo- jokes. Uh, they had more dialogue, and they also made made more um, references to other episodes in a movie. Would even like a and they also did the to be continued thing which reminds me that <laughs> to be continued immediately yeah yeah which makes me think my, my person in the head canon that if they weren't going to be funded for a movie they were just going to like make a cheaper version of that in two episodes or, like the season finale i guess they could have done that and like they acknowledged that the dome happened in the tv show but largely things that happened in the movie haven't really been recognized yeah. by the tv show Tristan, did you have any favorite parts in the Simpsons movie? Mm-hmm. Probably had to be when the entire town was like was walking away from Homer's house. <laughs> the mob was going in the wrong direction. Yeah, look at those idiots! They can't even find our own house. What about you, Owen? Did you have any favorite parts in the Simpsons movie? The church scene at the beginning. Oh, with with Grandpa going crazy in the church? Uh, that too, but mainly just for them being late. Oh, right. <laughs> Colin. Why can't I just pray? Why can't I be religious in my own way? On my deathbed, praying like hell. I like when the dome went down and everybody that was in the church ran into the bar. Uh, and yeah. everybody in the bar ran into the church. It's funny, and it's the sort of kind of, like, uh, simple gag Simpsons are good at. It doesn't really serve the story. It's just by itself kind of cool and funny. Yeah. What else can we talk about? Um, Who do you think the true hero of the story is? Like, the journey is mainly Homer's, right? But Bart throws the bomb outside of the dome to save everybody, and Marge is the one that really kind of motivates... Homer to change his ways. 
If you want to get into like the main, most people would say that Homer is just because he's the main character of the movie. Um, I think so. Yeah. See, it's funny because in a lot of ways, some people will complain that in The Simpsons, even though it's a silly imaginary cartoon world, they tend to repeat themselves. I mean, there's lots of episodes where Homer is very stupid or insensitive or careless about his family, and he gets in trouble. And at the end of the episodes, he learns, I should be more careful and care and more about my family. But he seems to forget that lesson over and over again. I'm pretty sure, like, he's, it's been there's actually a canon to that, because he has a crayon in his nose that went up to his brain. Right, so he doesn't remember a lot of the stuff that happens yeah. to so him. so anyone who says Homer is a bad character, you can call them a monster for, for being mean to someone who has brain damage. Can you maybe not squish that while we're recording, but Thank oh, you. Right. I'm sorry, that's cool. <laughs> um, spider pig. Ah, uh, yeah. Of all the things in the movie that I thought maybe we would see more of in the show is Spider-Pig. I really loved how Homer saw this pig and then all of a sudden just completely fell in love with him. And, like, that yeah. was, like, his focus of his energy for the next several days was taking care of this silly pig. Yeah. Although I mean, that betrayal is kind of... Yeah, like, you... To be fair, I'm pretty sure like there there'd be like a mixed feeling for Homer. Yeah, like even he would go like, "I'm not sure about you yet." They did do a few things that they couldn't or wouldn't typically do on TV. One of which is a naked Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah, they even showed his crotch. They showed his penis really quickly. But I didn't think that was, like, too over the top. I wasn't like, oh, my boys shouldn't see that. In fact, I thought it was really funny the way they made, they made that happen. Like, they went out of their way to obscure the nudity in all sorts of elaborate ways. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, for no reason, for about ten or five seconds, you just get a clean shot of Bart's junk. In and it's very, it's very yeah. silly. It's very and, funny. I hate to be that guy, but I'm pretty sure, like, a hedgehog that or a fence would not ever work. You don't think so? Yeah. (laughs) But it pays off in a lot of ways. If you're a fan of the TV show, having Nelson stand there and go, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Oh yeah, I do kind of like how like it gets purple in the sky and and you just see him just go, ha ha. Oh, oh, oh. Nelson, honey, where have you been? Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> the cycle continues. And there seems to be a sort of a secondary story in the movie about Bart questioning, as much as he loves his dad and has fun with his dad, is, is Homer a really good role model? <laughs> well, I mean, he works a job he's unqualified for. He drinks a lot, and he strangles his own. And he strangles the oldest child, and only him. <laughs> yeah, good job, good job, good dad job. I hardly ever strangle you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You mainly do something more like this. Nah, no. Another thing that your dad likes about the show, because like they're trying to make the movie for a family so that grown-ups can enjoy it and the kids. There is kind of an environmental message about the movie, right? Yeah. The EPA oh, is kind of portrayed as the bad guys but Lisa wants to you know clean up Lake Springfield but it's not in a way that's sort of they're trying to teach us a lesson or be you know preachy or anything like that they just factored that into the story yeah 
one thing I do kind of dislike about it is just how much of a jerk Homer is. Yeah, yeah he gets he pretty bad, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's the one maybe complaint that I would agree with you, Tristan, about the movie is that Homer comes so bad that he almost is irredeemable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even his family gets turned off. Yeah, well, yeah, Marge, like... Marge leaves him a videotape a message that she records over their wedding video. And again, because it's a movie, bigger things will happen in a movie than in a TV show. So Marge actually breaks up with Homer. And the Simpsons family home gets destroyed. For but, a short little while. Well, they, they rebuild it. So, But the stakes go up for a movie, but we weren't really too scared or too sad. It was mainly just fun and funny, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what we like about The Simpsons, that it's fun and funny, right? Yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to say about The Simpsons? I got nothing. You got nothing? Same what here. Okay. Well, thanks for watching The Simpsons movie with me. You're welcome. You guys, it was a positive review? Yep. yep. All right, we live to watch another day. Yeah. I mean, watch another movie another day. Yeah, all right. Um, I'll go put the tarp on the grave so they don't get wet. I'll save them for later. Yeah. yeah. Scoob, do you realize where we are? No. Look around, man. The clean, modern aesthetic, the cool blue color palette. We're in Ikea. the Falcon Fury. Did you say Ikea? Nope, I said Falcon Fury, just like you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shaggy and Scooby were taken? Yeah. This blue light came down from the sky and beamed them up. I, I can't. I, I can't breathe. I'd have to assume that if they were with their friends, they wouldn't have been kidnapped. Okay, can you skip the emotional punishment? What was some guy in with Scooby and Shaggy? I don't know, but I'd like to shake the hand of whoever created this. And then, you know, throw that hand in prison for trying to kill our friends. Hey! This mangy stray's coming with me. He's not a stray. Okay, then. What's his name? His name's... Scooby. Middle name? Doobie? Last name. Dude. How do you guys feel about Scooby-Doo in general? I know there's been lots of incarnations of Scooby-Doo, but, the, yeah. you know, yeah. the mystery yeah. machine, crime-solving, yeah. talking dog, Scooby snacks, yeah. ghosts, but I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Yeah. Where do you guys stand on Scooby-Doo? I, I, I think yeah. it's one of the best things ever created by humankind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of potential for it. Yeah. Yeah, you can literally explain anything. Oh, what's that? This hologram actually manages to leave some goo behind. Well, it just so happens it's not a hologram. It's an android. Is everybody's favorite character then Scooby-Doo? Is that yeah. just a gimme? No, that's... For me, it's Shaggy. You yeah. like Shaggy? Yeah. Is it the fascination with food? Yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, at the time it first came out, it was kind of making fun of, like, hippie culture. Like, yeah, man! Right? And <laughs> all of that, the fact that, like, they didn't do anything, but they hung out and they had the pretty colorful band. It was all very uh, of the time. When you look at it now, it's kind of fun and retro and cartoony. But when it came out, they were actually trying to emulate what the kids were supposedly like, or at least what they thought the kids were like. What I what I am with Scooby Doo is I'm a fan because it's sort of like a kid's introductory into the world of scariness. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they're always investigating a vampire or a ghost, but like it's usually not a vampire or a ghost. Yeah. In fact, I prefer it when it's not. I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to Scooby-Doo's adventures that I like it when there's a real mystery and they solve a real mystery and there's yeah. not an actual ghost or an yeah. actual curse. Yeah. And that used to be, at least in the shows when I watched when I was a kid, the way it worked. I know in some of the movies I watched with you guys when you were younger... There was one called Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Oh, yeah. I visually saw that. Yeah. Well, we watched a bunch of them when you were younger. You might not remember all yeah. of them, but uh, the Zombie Island one, there was actually zombies. And I remember being genuinely surprised by that when I watched that show with you guys, yeah. Yeah. because those were real monsters <laughs> for that gets, one. It's like a yeah. bluff. Like, a, we know that you all think it's yeah. fake, so we're going to make it real as a plot twist for that plot twist doesn't work every time and it like now it's a given if it's a movie it's going to be a real real mo monster right well and uh like i don't know i it's weird for me to say that like that's the the part that wrecks the reality of the show that has a talking dog in it for me yeah but like i want a real mystery for them to solve which yeah. brings us to scoob that's kind of sort of a mix between them yeah it has all the elements that we're familiar with with Scooby-Doo, but there's not really a mystery to solve, is there? Yeah. No. It's really just going, we're going to go here and here and here and here and here. I mean... It's a Scooby-Doo adventure. It's yeah. not a mystery. Yeah. Now, that can be good and bad. It's got its fun yeah. stuff to it, right? There's an adventure, like, and all yeah. that. But uh, to me, it sort of feels like a very now Scooby-Doo. The music in it feels very current and very today and what they think the kids like today. And the jokes are very current and what they, in a way, they're going to date themselves in the way, same way that the original Scooby-Doo did. But whereas that aged kind of charmingly, I wonder how well Scoob will age. I don't think it'll age well. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's fun. I'm not trying yeah. to be yeah. mean about it yeah. either. I, mean, I did. It's, it's not bad. It's just. And I enjoyed it. I just think it's not going to age well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'll tell you stuff I liked and see if you agree with me. I liked the whole little beginning bit with little Scooby and little Shaggy and yeah. the, the origin of meeting the mystery group. Yeah. I you kind of like that opening scene where you see Scoob just running through the town. Just Stealing a big thing of meat? Yeah. Well, my question is, like, we didn't know exactly his origin. We don't know where Scoob was abandoned or something like that. But one of my questions, I guess, if I have it, and again, it's not because this cartoon dog movie is fake, but why is Scooby all by himself? And why is Shaggy so lonely? Shaggy yeah. doesn't seem like a bad guy. Yeah. He's a coward, but there's really worse things to be than a coward, you know? Yeah. At least, like, if you're going to go that route, at least, like, show Scrappy along there's, like, a camp or something. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm, it's kind of like, I'm kind of glad they don't. Right. Yeah. Um, a fun fact behind the scenes... Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, well, Casey Kasem, I believe, was the original voice of Shaggy. But for the phase that you guys have been watching in the TV shows and the movies, it was a guy named Matthew Lillard. And he's famous for doing a bunch of, well, for this movie called Scream, which is a really interesting horror slasher movie that we can watch right before bed if you guys want. No. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not age appropriate. Yeah. But uh, the, the scoop... The skinny, the dirt on this is, is that Will Forte, who's a really funny actor of his own, he got cast as Shaggy, and nobody let 
Matthew Lillard, no. He'd been doing the character for over 10 years yeah. in all of, all of its forms. And then, boom! New guy doing it. And he kind of just felt like a little, oh, let him down. I didn't think Shaggy sounded particularly different. But I don't know that Will Forte brought amazing stuff to it either. I know he's a really funny actor. But all you really asked to do Shaggy. I think I could kind of do Shaggy, you guys. Like, totally scared of everything, dudes. I need some snacks. Feed me! Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I'm kind of surprised by is that they didn't add on the whole Scooby Snacks thing. They had, they had a couple good gags with that. Remember when, yeah. uh, was it Daphne? Yeah. Had a couple of hidden Scooby Snacks? And Scooby and just kept on eat, eating them. The, the snacks that could have saved their lives, but Scooby still <laughs> couldn't resist eating them. That, that was a good bit. That was a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> One bit I, w I wanted them to do more of where, like, I would have enjoyed if it was, like, a real... It would have been really funny to me is if Scooby Snacks were, like, an addiction for Scooby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that the idea has to choose between that or his friends. Well, there's a, a lot of people who think that Scooby Snacks are a not-so-subtle metaphor for uh, marijuana. But you guys know all about that, right? Yeah. 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 That does not make sense, though, right. considering... I never, always thought it was just Never on a school food. day, right? That's our yeah. rule, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, which is that, which is never, because yeah. it's quarantine. No, it's funny because it's a it's a, a layered joke, I guess, or kind of a winking adult joke that you can see in a lot of the cartoons. Every now and then when they come out of the van, smoke comes out of the van for no good reason, things like this. And Scooby Snacks is supposed to mean something else. But uh, they didn't play that card. You're right very much in this movie. They were very much focusing on it being for kids. So you guys didn't know about the illicit drug humor until I pointed it out as a yeah. responsible parent. Why? <laughs> I, I just thought it was dog food and Shaggy was eating dog food and I found that <laughs> funny. Well, eating dog food is also funny in its own yeah. way. I just wanted this podcast to be educational as well as entertaining for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now you'll think about that whenever they make the Scooby Snacks references in the show, right? Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for doing You've ruined everything. Yeah. Um, do you guys know who Amanda Seyfried is? No. She's pretty. But more than that, she's very talented. And I believe she's from Canada. And she does the voice of Daphne in this show. And uh, she was the first time doing it. I thought she did okay. Yeah, I don't know the difference. She like... didn't stand out. They didn't give Daphne a whole lot to do. Actually, Fred, Daphne, and what's it, Selma? What's her Velma. name? Velma. Not Selma. Velma. Uh, in a way, got kind of second tier in yeah. this movie, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, had any lines. Yeah, the plot mainly has to do with this big mustache-swirling bad guy yeah. and the superhero and his canine sidekick and his sort of co-pilot uh, who, who end up kidnapping Shaggy and Scooby and jeopardizing their friendship. Yeah, yeah. You know what's something that I've kind of made fun of in a half-serious way on my podcast before? What? How every mainstream comedy that isn't like what I call a, a date movie or a romantic comedy is essentially this premise. You got a couple of people who are friends, and then for a little while they're not friends, and then at the end, they're friends again. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Is everything... You're ruining movies, Dad. Am I wrecking movies yeah. for you? Well, this is analysis. This is what we're looking yeah. for. It's It's... 
it's not that that's a bad thing to do and it's not even that bad that it's done a lot it's doing it well it's very very familiar territory and a very safe territory did you guys think that the movie was going to end with like shaggy and scooby not being friends ever again no or if one of them died no murder suicide Maybe, maybe. Yeah. That, that would be that would be like a good bluff check. See, though. That would be a bold move if they went all Game of Thrones at the end. That's another show I should make you guys watch soon. Right. Right? Game of Thrones. Do you think that oh, would yeah. be a good one? I just remembered this one joke. We saw the one. There are many mistakes in life. Calling your calling your supervisor dad. <laughs> That's so a mistake. I'm not saying you too. Uh, says says enjoy your meal. And having a favorite character in Game of Thrones. Yeah, you shouldn't have a favorite character in Game of Thrones, but how do you know that? You haven't watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> Stop talking, Tristan. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys. Look, I sound like I'm being mean to the movie. I'm mainly positive on it. I'm yeah. mainly yeah. positive. We had yeah. fun watching it. I enjoyed yeah. it. That being said, yeah. I could write a better movie. You think yeah. you could write a better I movie? could write a better Scooby-Doo movie. Right? With a less of a budget. <laughs> I could... Yeah, yeah. I mean... Most of the jokes are just pop culture references. I would say it doesn't stand out in the Scooby-Doo canon. It's not like, ooh, that's the very best, but I am not offended by it. Yeah. I'm not like, how dare they tarnish this great thing from yeah. my childhood. Yeah. Plus, like I said, it's a gateway sort of thing into, into the horror genre, into scary stuff. Because yeah. you guys have no idea how many scary movies I have, and if someday you guys get into scary movies man do i ever have your back <laughs> all right is there anything else you guys want to say about scoop before i press stop and uh, uh, i feel like the robots were made to sell toys yeah they were adorable his little minions were too cute for us to take seriously as villains yeah. weren't they yeah the one thing like the one thing i kind of enjoy is that there is a constant reference to this TV show that came out almost the same time as the original Scooby-Doo, Wacky Races. Right. Yeah, like the villain Dick Dastardly and his dog. Right. Yeah. And the caveman character, what was his name? Captain Caveman or something? Yeah. Yeah. Tracy Morgan voiced him. That was a crazy character and moment in the show. Yeah. So they dug deeper into the catalog of yeah. retro cartoons than they usually go and that's kind of interesting yeah 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 that's but also other... a good sorry no go ahead I was just agreeing with Tristan yeah. <laughs> well uh, if there's nothing else I guess I'll press stop thank you for watching Scoob with me guys I've been really enjoying doing this podcast with you us okay. here okay I presume. You'll see. Things are quite different here. is a very old place. 
a clock in the walls. We don't know what it does, except something horrible. So, you've told Lewis everything? Well, not everything. Sounds lovely. All right. Um, you guys are big fans of Mr. Jack Black. Yes. And he's done a lot of kid-friendly movies, and he's hosted, like, the Kids Award show on Nickelodeon, and he shows up as a guest voice and guest stars on kids' TV shows. And he has, uh, I think, nurtured an audience in, in younger people. Um, I'm curious what you guys like about Jack Black, and I'm also just interested in him as an entity, because... As much as he is very funny and very entertaining and kids like him, there's also another side of Jack Black. The tenacious D side. <laughs> the very distinctly kind of grown up. Even though I think you understand that tenacious D is satire, and I have shown you some of it because I know that you're fans of Jack Black and we can we can get our heads around it. Um, that is not kids material at all, right? Yeah. So let's start there. What do you guys think of Jack Black and why do you think he's so popular? Uh, just the way he speaks and the way he talks through. Yeah. Just he can go slow, yeah. but then he'll also like speed up in a way that's clear. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There's very li- there's a there's a few bit there's a very little amount of people where you can where you can hear his voice and immediately know who he is. He's very recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he kind of came to be as uh, like a supporting character actor. He would be like the best friend role in comed- comedies, right? Yeah. And then there was this movie called High Fidelity, which he made. And um, he got to sing in it, and it was a supporting role, but it was really accented his good, like what he was really good at. High energy, kind of dorky, but really kind of likable. You want to cheer for him. It's interesting, The House with the Clock in its Walls, which is the movie we're talking about, Jack Black is very consciously, I think, chosen to play a different kind of role. And I think you you said when you watched it last night for the second time, Owen, that it wasn't the best role for him. I'm saying, like, they could have, like, changed some lines in it. Well, I was wondering if maybe he was consciously trying to do something that was a little less Jack Black. A lot of times he finds himself playing a Jack Black type, right? And a lot of creative people like to say, well, I can do all sorts of things. Um, The story is uh, about a little boy who is orphaned and goes to live with his very eccentric uncle, who turns out has magical powers, and along with the lady who uh, he's friends with who lives next door, uh, are mixed up in a possibly apocalyptic supernatural adventure. And this little boy gets sucked into it, all while trying to adjust to his new life and getting bullied at his new school. It's based on a popular book, which I have not read, that's made for a young audience. But interestingly, the movie is directed by a guy named Eli Roth. And now I know you guys know who Eli Roth is, right? Yes. Yeah, totally. He directed those really fun movies called Hostel and Hostel Part 2, about people slowly being tortured to death. Good stuff. And the Green Inferno, where a nice man gets his face and eyes all cut out, and it's really, really gross and graphic. And typically, 
he does movies like Cabin Fever or Oswald are very, very gross, very, very grown up, very adult horror movies. We can watch some before bed if you want. All right. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds like real. fun. And then here he is directing this family fantasy kids movie. It does have a little bit of darkness to it, but like, just like Jack Black maybe wanted to do something outside of his usual performance, I feel like maybe this director was trying to do something outside of his usual Field, right yeah so it's like we got a bunch of creative people doing something outside their comfort zone but does it work what did you guys think of the movie it it works enough it could yeah. be better yeah <laughs> the writing needed work but the acting was spot on i didn't i really think that the little boy let's see if i can find his name here i'm gonna say owen beccardo Picard? Owen Picard? I hope that's right. Owen Picard? Owen Picard. I think he's a really, really good actor. And I think yeah. it's really hard to find a little kid to center a movie on. Because he really is the main character of the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not always easy. And if you have a wonky performance in the main character of the movie, it really is going to hurt your movie. And I think he did very well. Yeah. You want to know something else kind of grown up that I noticed about this movie? What? Well, it kind of has a theme of outsiders. Everybody in the movie feels apart from everyone else. The little boy is bullied at school, and he wears those weird air aviator goggles, and the kids make fun of it for him, and I assume he has some connection to his dad with it. Like, But he feels outside. The Jack Black character feels outside, and he's been sort of dejected from his family, and the movie's all presenting this as, like, his family was uncomfortable with him being magic, and so he was sort of exiled, and he's an outsider, too. Now, there's not a lot of real wizards in the world, unfortunately, but people do find themselves outside of others, different from others, and sometimes, unfortunately, they find themselves dejected and thrown away. I think that the wizard thing could be a metaphor for all sorts of things, for people who are rejected by their family, for their beliefs, or for their orientation, or for any other reason, and they have to make a family of their own because of it, right? So it's kind of big adult themes in a kid's movie. But it still works as a fun adventure, mostly. Yeah. Yeah? Did I bum you out with that little talk? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, you know who else is in this movie that I super like? What? Kate Blanchett. She plays another person who is sort of outside because she's lost her family, right? She doesn't really belong anywhere, so she's become friends with the Jack Black, and she's sort of, without saying it, adopts this little boy with him and even though they're just friends they're they're really closely connected the Jack Black and the Kate Blanchett character now I think Kate Blanchett is an amazing actress I think that if they made a Muppet movie Kate Blanchett could play Kermit the Frog and she'd do a good job <laughs> she's super awesome that's a high that's a high level <laughs> I mean she could Kermit would, is the quintessential Kermit the Frog, but she wouldn't embarrass herself, is what I'm All saying. Right. She is an incredibly gifted actress. And if I have some few complaints about the movie is, I say if you get Kate Blanchett in your movie, you use Kate Blanchett in your movie. She does eventually, you know, get to, because most of the movie she's kind of sad and she doesn't, she's not able to use her magic because she's so depressed. Through bonding with this little kid and the stakes of the adventure, she gets to harness her power, and she gets to find her own little family again. Yeah. But um, in the end, she's using her yeah. CGI wand to shoot CGI pumpkins. Yeah. 
I just bring up how overpowered she was as soon as she got her magic back. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. awesome, but she powered up, right? Yeah. But I kind of was hoping for a bigger moment for her, like, because, I, A, I like the actress so much, and B, it was like, then she had her magic back and she just kicked everybody's butt, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And the big conflict comes between Jack Black and his, his little nephew and this evil villain, the Kyle McLaughlin character. And he and uh, Jack Black have a history together. They used to be partners. They used to be in a magic show together. And I think that it's a very personal rift between the two of them. So yeah. the, the stakes are high. What did you think of the humor in, in the movie? I think it, it was pretty good. The couch that was like a dog? Remember this? Yeah. I remember that. I do, I do also... I also remember that they constantly do jokes about that giant leaf flying thing pooping Pooping. all the time. Yep, there's several poop and fart jokes. Again, I haven't read the source material, but part of me suspects that maybe that's an addition of the movie to make it a little bit wackier. But I also think that they were consciously not trying to make it too scary. That's another question I wanted to ask you guys. Did you find the movie frightening? No, No, not really. There's scenes when I watched it with you guys the first time when he was walking around the house at night and Jack Black was smashing holes in the wall. You guys looked a little bit scared by that scene, but that was the only scene I noticed that you guys seemed a little tense in for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, seeing Jack Black wielding an axe, That's hacking that would the scare wall. anyone. But you guys didn't really think that Jack Black was going to be the bad guy, right? No, well, they're like, he could. He yeah. could. He Flat yeah. twist, he's... Well, he could be a fun villain, I bet. Yeah. I think he could be a good foil. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. When they do another Sonic the Hedgehog movie, maybe he could be the bad guy. <laughs> I'd watch it if Jack... I'd watch anything if Jack Black was in it. <laughs> yeah. That's just how you sell me on something. Yeah. So, we gotta talk about the baby incident. Right. You know what I'm talking about? No. During the climactic battle... Oh, right. There's a special effect sequence where the Kyle McLaughlin character who suffered so much in life wants to kind of undo the world. And his magic involves messing with time and being able to roll back the clock. And he converts Jack Black into baby Jack Black. And it's very strange. His head was, is still the exact same. And he still has the beard. Yeah. It's like a baby body with a huge Jack Black beard head. Yeah. Do you, do you, here's a weird expression. Do you know what uncanny valley means? Yeah, what? it's when something's where something seems real, but something's a bit off. Yeah, you can't quite explain why it doesn't. It, it's not sitting right. There's something about it that you can't articulate, but it's not right. Right. That's how that special effect looks <laughs> to me. Like I don't know how well it'll age, but in its defense. It's super funny. <laughs> yeah, just seeing that, seeing that, seeing the baby just crawling around laughing. <laughs> and uh, the way that they really bond, because yeah. the little boy was given one rule to not open this cabinet, and this terrible bully from school comes to the house and basically forces the cabinet open. And you know, he thinks he's going to lose his family again. He thinks that this has wrecked everything, and. Through this fight with this evil wizard, he completely redeems himself to his uncle, and they are bonded like wizard bros forever. 
Yeah. And I gotta say, that kind of gave me the feels, and I'm kind of a, you know me, I, I don't have any true emotions in me, right? Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're actually just a robot with the voice effect. That's right. So, <laughs> but uh, on that level, it worked. I, part of me thinks that, I mean, they were trying to make a scary kids movie, and it wasn't that scary, so maybe a bit of a failure. But as an adventure movie, and as the story of this little orphan, I think it's kind of pretty successful. You guys didn't like the bully stuff. I it just like let's put it this way magical world with like warlocks wizardry something weird's going on with the clock yeah we're like we're we're trying to learn about it and then we kept on being like and then we're like what comes next they were grabbed by the throats and moved to relive our school memories yeah well I hate bullies too and like it's uh, it's not my favorite subject matter but I do think it's interesting that it's the bully has dimension so many times especially in kids movie the bully is just all out bad like sociopath violent jerk this kid was smart and he could be nice when he wanted to be he just typically didn't want to be there's a lot more complexity to that character than you usually see in a bully but I still really enjoyed seeing his face get smashed by a basketball for being such a jerk the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, just remind everyone that, like, how old are you, Dad? And how much... <laughs> I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. As much as I hate the idea of you guys being bullied, I hate more the idea of you guys being bullies, right? Right. Yeah. So, more, mostly I'm pretty happy with the House of the Clock in the Walls. Again, I think people who are fans of Eli Roth, the director, might walk away disappointed because it's not super scary or gory. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was fun to watch with my boys. Yeah. And I, yeah. I had fun with it. Is there anything else you guys would like to say? Tristan, did you want to say something there? Well, I do have sort of a couple of issues with this. Mainly sort of the whole reason on how the main bad guy gets brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Pretty much a cabinet, which only an evil person, which no evil person getting close enough to open, which I think would be sort of a funny joke if, like, the bully tried to go to the cabinet and all Couldn't. Yeah. Well, it was good because uh, I, I, I knew they were going to have to get into that cabinet. It's one of those things where a movie establishes something, and there's yeah. no reason that they would point that out if it wasn't going to be important to the story yeah. later on. Right? I like I go, hey, look at that clock. Yeah. Isn't that a nice clock? Here's a forbidden locked cabinet, and that's my one rule. You do not mess with this cabinet. If they didn't come back to it later in the movie, we would be sitting here talking about why did they even bother with the cabinet scene, right? <laughs> so inevitably they would, but I liked that it wasn't the little boy who did it. Like, yeah. it was his friend who did it. Um he still wanted that cabinet open because in his heart he maybe thought that he could bring his parents back, which is, you know, sad. Yeah. It's funny that so many kids' movies are about orphans, don't you think? Yeah. Well, it's, ba- <laughs> it's basically like, it's, I don't know how to describe this, but basically we movies are just repeats of other movies. Mm-hmm. And most and the first movies were controlled by this guy named Walt Disney, who had a fetish for killing off parents. Well, yeah. I mean, Walt Disney had all sorts of fun problems we can maybe get into on another day. But I think the device there is that it immediately puts us on his side, right? Yeah. You feel bad for a little kid who's lost his parents. You want to cheer for him. And then he gets bullied at school? Yeah. And and then there's all this scary stuff going on in the new house that he's in. <laughs> like, 
it makes you cheer for him. It sort of it's an easy way yeah. to make you like the character. Yeah. Then so. could have had some work done. Like I personally would have liked the idea that um, the lady went with them, mm-hmm. and like we wonder like why isn't she helping with this scenario? Well, then we just see her behind the guy just pushing him into the clock thing and killing him. Well, I think the idea was that. Um, a, the little boy had to face a warlock, right? You're not a wizard until you've faced your first warlock in battle, right? Yeah. So he officially became a wizard by participating in that battle. And while he and Jack Black were fighting the Kyle MacLachlan wizard, Kate Blanchett was fighting everything else, right? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> she was fighting everything else, an army of these weird pumpkin creatures and monsters and fun Halloween-themed stuff. Yeah. And that's the main takeaway yeah. from the movie. It's fun. I'm trying to get more out of it because that's yeah. my job as a critic. But Yeah. And in, like, in order for me to explain it, also, they decided to go to a cemetery. Like, you you got to assume, like, what would happen if that kid decided to go for, I don't know, any other corpse? <laughs> I mean, like, I know he said he didn't want to resurrect a kid, but... You're telling me there's only one adult in that entire That's cemetery. more screwed up than anything else if you ask me. That that's the only adult yeah. corpse around. That's a plot convenience. But um, yeah. the resurrection was an important theme. And again, relevant to the story. The boy wanted yeah. his parents back. He didn't want this evil wizard back. But good intentions lead to bad places. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for watching The House with the Clock in the Walls with me, you guys. You're welcome. In your universe, there's only one Spider-Man. But there is another universe. It looks and sounds like yours, but it's not. My name's Miles Morales. Hey, kid. You're like me. How? Around this time. I know it's complicated. You want to know what happened to you? I can teach you to be Spider-Man. Mm, I love this burger. So delicious. Mm, one of the best burgers I've ever had. You have money, right? I'm not very liquid right now. I think you're gonna be a bad teacher. How am I supposed to save the whole world? You can't think about saving the world. You have to think about saving one person. One thing I know for sure, don't do it like me. Do it like you. Brooklyn! I see the spark in you. It's amazing. Hands up! Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a A spider spider can. Can he swing from from a a thread? Take a look overhead. Look out. He's a Spider-Man. That is correct. That is the old school Spider-Man that I grew up in. And it's funny because the the cartoon version of Spider-Man that I watched... For like every 22 minute of show, I swear there was maybe 12 drawings. <laughs> it was very, very cheap animation. But I connected to it at a young age because I just really got on board with the idea of a teenage superhero, the Spider-Man character. Our friend Lee, you guys know Lee? Um, yeah. He is a Spider-Man super freak. 
He has Spider-Man tattoos permanently etched into his flesh. That's how much he likes Spider-Man. Uh, you could just say he has a tattoo, Dad. Like, you're describing it like he carved Spider-Man into him. Oh, I didn't because, say he didn't. Oh, that's because he did that, brother. I saw it with my own two eyes. That's right. So, I mean, I'm not that level of super fan, but I do like the Spider-Man. And one thing that I have to compliment Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, as much as it's a very modern, very different, very sophisticatedly in its animation approach to Spider-Man, and that we're getting a whole new Spider-Man, and that Peter Parker is not our our focused Spider-Man in this case, the spirit of Spider-Man, for me, is still very much there. We have this young kid who's kind of awkward, kind of dorky, trying to fit in at school, who gets way more power than he can handle, and gets wrapped up in some crazy superhero adventures. I thought the movie was very colorful, very funny, and quite exciting, so I walked away quite happy with it. But I brought all my Spider-Man baggage with me, right? What did you guys think, and what do you think generally of Spider-Man? Spider-Man's cool. Um, he, in reality, he should have just died like a day or so into the bite, <laughs> just poisoned. Well, I mean, I mean, I know it's a radioactive spider, but I mean, even the most poisonous spider on Earth won't kill you if you're a fully grown adult. Yeah, but you saw what it did to his DNA. It quite literally corrupted it. <laughs> so his wife's blood cells should have started attacking his his body. But my problem with this argument is that I think the movie would be a lot less interesting if 10 minutes into the movie, uh, this main character was bitten by a spider and he fell over dead. <laughs> that would be a good plot to And all of a sudden, the Green Goblin all of a sudden takes over the city. And credits. Credits roll. Yep. <laughs> Um, but the actual story is, which has some pretty interesting twists, I thought, was that uh, our young main character, Miles, um, I hope that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he finds himself caught up with this crazy tech invented by Kingpin, which yeah. is going to open up the multiverse because he wants to get, Kingpin wants to get back his lost wife and kid. Yeah. And he's willing and to do anything. Su- yeah. And while we're on the subject of that, I'm just going to say, this is by far one of the darkest films I've really seen. For I mean, a kid movie, it's pretty heavy, right? Yeah, like, first, yeah. And, yeah, and, I mean, we've seen we've seen family die before. I mean, we all know about Batman. Right. right. Yeah. But, I mean, there are other stuff, such as the original Spider-Man, done in, like, the first... 10 minutes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, he sees Peter Parker's Spider-Man trying to stop this machine that Kingpin has made and in the process get mortally wounded and then eventually killed. Yeah, and not like he, like, it's not like he dies of his injuries. No, he practically gets every organ destroyed. He gets squished like a bug, like a spider. His cage just shattered into his lungs and heart. That, like, that's painful. Well, and shocking, because, you know, that's our Spider-Man. Like, what just happened? But this rip in the multiverse has leaked several new Spider-People into this particular multiverse, or into our multiverse. Yeah. And that's where I thought you guys were kind of mixed in your responses. I know you don't like um, romantic stuff. Yes. So you didn't like the lady spider character I mean, kind of I, being flirtatious I mean, like, with Miles? I mean, not flirtatious, more like 
creepy. That was you could have like what would I would have preferred yeah, for him to realize like, he is like sticking to stuff. Would right. be if he couldn't get out of his desk. Right. Or like he tried to let go of his pencil, but he couldn't. But instead, he accidentally grabs her by the hair and can't let go, and it comes off super weird and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the worst part was I was relating this person up to there, and I was like. <laughs> Oh, geez, I'd have a panic attack if that happened. But that's the yeah. great thing about Peter Parker, because he's super cool that he's Spider-Man, but he's also a dorky, helpless teenager at his heart, so it kind of makes him charming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that, Tristan, you seem to react a little bit mixed, and I've noticed this about you with some of your cartoon shows you watched. You tend to not like it when they switch up the animation on you. You, you much prefer it if they stick to one kind of style of animation, right? Yeah, but I honestly enjoy the sort of aspects they have because, I mean, otherwise, I mean, like, what would the thing even be? I mean, the whole thing is that they added multiple animation styles, and I honestly enjoy most of the characters that were introduced. Yeah, but that anime characters, you seem to not react well to... And yeah. when you first saw Spider-Pig, just the idea of him being like that much of a cartoon. I mean, I realize the whole movie is animated, but they make a point of him popping out like a Warner Brothers character, like Daffy yeah. Duck or something like that, right? Yeah. And like that that's an interesting thing to juggle. And this is what yeah. I'm going to say as a really big compliment to the movie. I think I could watch a, a Spider-Man movie about any one of those individual spider yeah. characters. Personally, they, my favorite yeah. is the black and white one, because I would just yes. love to see like a yes. Spider-Man just beat up Nazis. Yes, <laughs> yes. same and, here. But I got to admit, Spider-Pig is growing on. Yeah, yeah. spider Isn't it interesting that in the six movies we reviewed this episode, there's two Spider-Pigs? Yeah. Oh my god, wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah right is. in the Simpsons movie, there's oh, yeah. Spider Pig, <laughs> and then we have yeah. Spider Pig. I was and... thinking of like a Quackbusters, and I was like, trying to remember that, but nope, that was where yeah. I was confused. Anyway, yeah, and when I said I enjoy most of the characters, I really mean it, but I still really hate that anime character because right. she basically says nothing. I'm pretty sure the original spider-man had more lines than her right well and they had a lot of characters to juggle to be yeah, fair yeah they yeah. they could have gotten away with just the three of them i could say yeah yeah but i mean a lot of times when you're dealing with characters that'll have that little individual screen time each it just becomes about what they look like and a couple of like jokes for them to drop and that's it and like I said, I thought each one of them seemed to come from a complete enough world that I would watch that movie. I would watch the Nicolas Cage Noir Spider-Man. And I would watch the Spider-Pig movie, you know? Yeah. And uh, I would even probably watch the anime Spider-Man you know, Man movie. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting approach. Not only were they from different multiverses, but the approach to the character and the approach to um, the style of animation depended on what multiverse they came from. That was a nice approach, right? Yeah, and when they showed up, it, I'll admit it, they had like, every time I saw the robot, it, it was like, that should not be, that looks like it was pasted in, like, during the end to me. Yeah. It just, like, feels and, off considering yeah. everything else. Right. Yeah, and I mean, also, she basically does nothing throughout the movie. We're hating on a child way too, a fictional child way too much. <laughs> I mean, like, as, I mean, it makes sense considering, <laughs> I mean, like, first of all. <laughs> We're just hating kids, that's all. <laughs> That's yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's just I mean, the best. Way to you learned it from watching me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
she also basically does nothing. I mean, sure, she recreated that, that like, the, 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 McGuff the MacGuffin. But yeah, I mean, the computer like, file that they used to fix the machine or stop the machine or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think Aunt May yeah. should have done that. Like, yeah. I, just to give I mean, her like, some more screen yeah, time. Plus, I mean, yeah, plus. <laughs> they already gave us at least decent enough evidence to prove that at least one of the Spider-Men knew how to recreate it. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, he, otherwise, you know, the whole realizing that he, that one of them can turn invisible thing wouldn't really... That was interesting. That was a new power we hadn't seen before from Spider-Man. They seemed to... I mean, they still had Spider-Sense and stuff like that in the web, of course, but uh, Miles had his own sort of gifts as Spider-Man. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because as far as I know, turning invisible is not a, a, a thing that a spider typically can do. I mean, granted, they can't really sense danger coming from a mile away and swing away on a web perfectly. I'm trying yeah. to think, like, does, like, is it like a, is Miles the spider just more powerful? Or is it like a genetics-based and because he feels, he feels like he just wants to not be seen during his... His powers are being unlocked. That right. was the thing that happened, and he wants to be invisible. Yeah, because he wants to be invisible, and he's also constantly scared. So right. that venom shock yeah. makes sense. That's an interesting approach. Yeah. Also, we never see him use super strength, do we? Well, well he mean, can jump pretty high, yeah. and he can certainly fa survive falls that you know your average fourteen-year-old yeah. kid probably wouldn't have survived. Yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, that fun. Also, that strike from Kingpin, which. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, sure, you might say since, you know, the other Spider-Man was obviously incredibly weak and injured, but as I said, that thing, like, basically shattered that guy's chest. Yeah. I mean, like, I know it would be a lot sadder to see the main character die, but I mean... Ouch. I mean, it's also, it's also dark to see someone get shot in the back for not killing someone. Also, not King killing King. a child quick enough. Yeah. Yeah. It, he still had him in his clutches. It wasn't like he hadn't done it yet it, it, or at it's all. It's not like he, he let go or something. Yeah, he, he just hadn't done it yet. He was he was taking it too long. You're too slow on that murder, buddy, so... <laughs> so instead of killing the person we're trying to kill... We're going to kill our own bad guy. This is classic sort of evil villain move. They'll kill their own sidekicks just to prove how evil they are. Yeah. To be fair, like, we would not be forgiving of the uncle as much. Like, right. I feel like the yeah. uncle forgives himself, like, when he talks to Miles while dying. Right. But if, I feel like if he just got away with it or went to jail, we would not feel... We would not treat him the same way as we did. We didn't fully understand why he was working for the Kingpin either. I like to think that there was more to that story. Yeah. That's one of the things, like, I mainly really like the movie, but one thing that I will say uh, is a missed opportunity maybe is the Kingpin character. Because he's doing all of this to try and get his wife and kid back, in a way that's a thing that we could sort of sympathize with. Yeah, I think it would have been better if, like, after the shot and stuff looking dead-faced, he looks sort of upset after realizing what he's done. Or if he actually had a, 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 a like, if Miles has, has a, a lesson. He learns something through the movie. And it would be interesting if Kingpin did, too. Because in his effort to get his wife and, and son back in the multiverse, 
he embraces everything about himself that drove his family away. He's the thing that he didn't want to be, the thing that caused his family to run and go in that uh, accident. The lesson for Kingpin should have been that he shouldn't be that guy. He shouldn't be the guy who makes his family run. And we don't ever see him sort of have that moment where he understands that. I think yeah. we're supposed to understand it as an audience, but he isn't as a character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think, I mean, like, I know you've been poking a lot of holes in it, but I mean, like, I do enjoy most of it. I mean, oh, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. I just think they should have cut some at some, some scenes. Some stuff out, yeah. Cut. It's long. It is almost two hours for a kid's movie. That is a pretty long running time. Yeah. And I will compliment the other villain, the uh, this universe's version of Doc Ock. Yeah, yeah, especially since, like, you have... It's like an actual surprise. I was surprised. Yeah. I, I like to think that I can see around corners in movies, so... Like you, I clocked her as like this, you know, maybe sympathetic character who doesn't know who she's working for or, you know, we're going to find this twist that, that she's not so bad at the end. But no, don't judge a book by its cover in the other direction, right? She's as bad as anybody in the movie. She's yeah. nasty. Yeah. And also, I'm just going to take a while to mention all the jokes about that black and white Spider-Man, like not understanding a Rubik's Cube yep. is just hilarious yep. <laughs> is this magenta no that's your green I, I don't understand it but I love it um, yeah do you guys have a favorite of your spider people in this movie black and white spider man that's your favorite Same hands here. down yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think I'll, I think I'll go with that I'll back your guys play on that yeah so in the end I think we're all very happy with the multiverse and this version of spider-man yeah is there anything else you guys want to say I got nothing um uh, same here well, uh, I really enjoyed watching it for the oh, first yeah. time all together projected big on the wall. What, sort of what do you want to say about it? Um, I sort of just want to understand, like, there are, uh, there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of things, and for a lot of, there are a lot of enemies here, and for a lot of them, they make sense. But there are two that just rub me the wrong way, that cybernetic scorpion thing, I... The scorpion. Yeah. Right. You weren't a big fan of that version? Yeah, because, I mean, like, when I think of the scorpion, I sort of think like a pretty much just a random guy that just has some advanced technology, not is advanced technology. That's interesting. I had the reverse response in the the Sam Raimi version of Spider-Man. They had a Green Goblin who was a guy who wears a mask. And to me, the Green Goblin isn't a guy with a mask. He's a green goblin, you jerks! What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, oh, and there's this, and also that like, blue, that like blue-headed guy with the two guns, mm-hmm. like, like kind of like the anime Spider Girl thing. Like, he basically adds nothing to the film. Like, seriously, he's only there like <laughs> twice or something. Well, how about this? We'll say one of the flaws of the movie there. It's not a perfect movie and it might just be that it was trying to be too generous. It was giving us so much that it couldn't really give us a complete picture of everything. But I really appreciated how hard it was trying to entertain me. And I think it largely succeeded. Yeah. Also, the same guy who wrote this movie wrote a movie that you guys really liked when you were younger called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of an interesting... I was always hungry as a child. That made you hungry? Or or you just liked the idea of food falling from the sky? Yes. (laughs) 
good enough, you guys. the exciting point in the in in the podcast and we're going to do three ranks so you guys have two chances to go six for six or zero for six with your dad is that exciting or what not real i don't know how to feel about this is this like a whoever gets higher gets to eat today well here's the thing um you guys aren't going to have to fight, you know, each other for your for your food anymore. That's the that's the prize for participation. No more of, you know, your dad making you go into mortal combat, things like that. No, the truth is is that I've been spoiling you guys pretty good. So, I mean, you guys you guys got some prizes already sort of preemptively. Plus, it wasn't such a huge chore to watch movies with your old man, was it? Yeah, except we had to do it all in one night. No, we didn't. We didn't do it all in one night. <laughs> you guys are funny. Why are you so funny? <laughs> it was like eight hours and you just forced us to keep... Anytime you fell asleep, I splashed water in your face. We had to start all over. Not just that movie, but all of them. <laughs> That's right. If either of you fall asleep even for a second, we start again. Like a clockwork orange. That's right. Anyway. All right. Well, Tristan, can you tell me what your least favorite of these six movies is and why? doesn't necessarily mean that you don't like the movie, right? It just means that out of that stack, this is where it's on the bottom, right? Um, the Headless Horseman thing. Okay. Yeah. Ichabod Crane? Yeah. Yeah, mainly because, I mean, you, can, you can't really call it a movie, per se. I mean, like, it, it's like, I mean, like, Jared Head's that sort of, it has like an introduction, a climax, and an ending. Right. I mean, it's a lot shorter than most others. Like, yeah. So that's why it's at the bottom in my mind. Because it's the shortest and doesn't quite count as a movie for you. Yeah. I just to describe it as uncomfortable to watch. Like, I liked the animation and the story. That was fine. But you know what I would have preferred. As always, less romance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew that was going to be tricky for you. Okay, so number six, Sleepy Hollow. What's number five for you, Tristan? Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. I mean, like, it's not necessarily because I don't like it. It's just that I like other films more than it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I already brought up my main issues with it. Okay. Well, keep doing your list, then. We yeah. can work our way down in fourth place. Um, in fourth place, it's Quackbusters. Yeah. Mainly because I think it's a pretty funny film, but I mean, it does get a bit dark at some point. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Someone laughing themselves to death. <laughs> or someone melting in heat. Yep. Yeah. But I do enjoy those Looney Tunes. Yeah. All the way in third position, then. Um, number three is Scoob. Scoob! Okay. Yeah. You just, another, you've always been a fan of Scooby-Doo, and yeah. this one definitely met the, met the bill for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And in second place, then? 
The Simpsons movie. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mainly because, I mean, like, it's a really good movie, a classic for our family. We've seen it a lot of times. We sure do. And I made you watch it just one more time because of the podcast. Yeah. So that means number one... Is the house with a clock in its walls. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised, genuinely surprised. I'm not disappointed in any way. That just surprises me. That's an interesting list, bud. Yeah. Thanks. And do you think that was like because you like Jack Black or just generally because you were the most engaged by it or? What's well, I sort of think, well, when I watch it, I sort of felt, when they started showing off magic, I sort of felt entranced with it. It's also interesting because that's the only not animated movie that we watched. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Fun fact. And it's arguably the scariest. So maybe I'll have a horror fan in the family yet. Okay, well, um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you my list yet, but I'll tell you that we didn't go six for six and we didn't go zero for six, unfortunately. But we still had fun doing the podcast, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I spoil you guys rotten all the time. So Sure you do. That's the story I'm telling the world, uh, yeah. the podcast world. The internet, as far as they know, you guys are really, really well treated, right? Yeah. yeah. We don't live in cages. Yes. Who says that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't, yeah, we, you don't definitely feed us birdseed. To quote the Simpsons. You get birdseed, I get oatmeal. Yeah. Dry oatmeal. <laughs> I sleep in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. I, was that Elfo? That seems like an Elfo thing. Uh, uh, what's the biggest bully in the Simpsons? Kearney? Um. The big bald kid? Yeah. Every now and then they have a gag about him having a little kid. Like, he's old enough. He's still in elementary school, but he's old enough to have his own child. And, yeah, I think that was one of his lines. The little kid says, I sleep in a drawer. But we're getting distracted. <laughs> what was your what was your least favorite, or what ranked sixth in this episode? Uh, same. Try not to kick the door. Okay, well, Sorry. we're That's okay. Uh, same with Tristan, the headless horseman. Okay. And I just did not. Well, we, everyone knows my opinion on it because too much I, romance, yeah. not enough headless horsemen. Like, come on, you know what I would have liked? Did that if like chase scene to be like five minutes longer? <laughs> yeah, it just it's so, like an intense race between that guy and the and someone with. Oh, it sounds to me like you guys like the Sleepy Hollow part of Sleepy Hollow, but everything leading up to it was kind of eh. yeah, yeah. Just skip to the song where they say what's going to happen and call it a day. Fair enough. Uh, Five for me is Spider-Man. Just because I liked the others better and I still enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed all of them, but it's just the least out of all of them. (laughs) Um, Four is the house with the clock in the walls. Just because I like the idea of time and the combination of... Also, the kid just seems really smart because he solves the puzzle. And I feel like they need to like, and he also does what I would do in a situation mm-hmm. where there's a, where a heavy, where this like uncle I've never met before, I'm in his house, I go to a hallway, he has an axe, I just run. <laughs> yeah. Everything he does makes sense for me, except for maybe his magic system, but that's his way. Right. Which I'm fine with. Also, Jack Black. I can't. Yeah, I know you're a big Jack Black fan. I couldn't rank him anything below this. Right. 
uh, three for me is Quackbusters just because I was raised on Looney Tunes and <laughs> Bugs Bunny and stuff. Um, well, that makes me smile. If it was my first time, I probably would have ranked it second, but just because I've seen it a bit times, sort of wore on me. Right. Also, Scooby-Doo is second, so... I was also raised. I would say Scooby Doo may have raised me more than Looney Tunes. Just right. hairstyle seems to say that. Uh, <laughs> you going for the shaggy look? Yep. I have long hair. If anyone's wondering. Yeah. Um, no, he's were... completely bald. Actually. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. Like every movie we have of them it's almost like i miss the old movies a lot right just because i like the plot the whole idea of why scooby-doo was so good was that there's reason to everything and it's all right to be afraid and it's all right to have problems because if you ask me scoot uh fred and fred daphne and velma of like they're all basically there to solve the mystery scooby and shaggy like they're if you just, had to choose between those like three of those and Scooby and Shaggy, yeah. they're gone. Well, there's one part of the group that does the mystery solving and the other part of the group that does the funny stuff, right? And yeah. that's sort of how that dynamic works. Yeah. And they they get clues. They yeah. get clues. Usually and, accidentally, but they yeah, get Yeah, but so? Yeah. So if someone Still accidentally counts. kills a serial killer, we do see him. That is a good action. <laughs> You're right. And number one is the Simpsons movie, just because that's... Basically, yeah, like from know, the age what, of twelve. You know this. You know your list is actually pretty. Your list is actually pretty similar to mine. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if we went zero for six here, but let's check. Okay. Um, I I mean I disagree with you guys on the list, but that's okay. And you guys are coming at it from a different place, right? I'm in my forties, right? Ew. And you guys, you guys are just like young young whippersnappers. We aren't so, even twenty. So. That's right. So that's okay, uh, and uh, I'm just gonna say I liked, I enjoyed watching all of these movies. So I put Quackbusters all the way in last place, which seems like it's an ungen, like not very generous thing. But like I said when we talked about the movie, it's it's kind of a piecemeal. It's not even really a real movie to me. It's kind of made out of a patchwork of a bunch of other movies and short films that were already made, and they kind of repackaged it and pretended that it was new. And uh, the stuff that they produced that was new in the movie, I didn't think was that great. The stuff that was good was the classic Looney Tunes stuff. And that was already good before Quackbusters existed. I really enjoyed watching it and it was a lot of fun, but I think it was the least interesting of the movies for, for that reason. All the way in fifth place, you guys, I put Scoob. I put Scoob in fifth place. You know, I think what the thing is, is that it's a Scooby-Doo adventure. Instead of a Scooby-Doo mystery. Yeah. They don't have anything to solve. And so we have basically the origin of the Scooby-Doo gang again. But I think we kind of knew the origin of the Scooby-Doo gang. It looks pretty and it's shiny and Pixar looking. And it's a different style of animation for the Scooby gang. But that's about all they did for me that was new. You know? And uh, I would have preferred that they had a traditional mystery to solve. I admit. I admit. I like that format. So... Um, again, I had fun watching it with you guys. It's not like I hated it or anything like that, but there it was. In fourth position, the house with the clock in its walls. Dun, dun, dun. 
Um, it's an interesting movie. Like, I really like the director, and he usually does genuinely grim horror movies that you guys just can't handle yet, <laughs> or maybe never will be able to handle. Maybe they're not even handleable. But I think that it was interesting to see him do something different, and I think that it does work completely for kids. I think it's got a really positive message, and I think it's a pretty clever, smart movie. I think there's some depth to it, and a lot of movies that are made for kids, they dumb them down. They just think that kids are dumb. They, 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 don't, they don't anticipate sharp, clever boys like you guys watching the movies and engaging with it a little bit, right? Also, if I could add, one of my favorite parts of the house with the clock in the walls was that there weren't any fake-out deaths. Like, we see Jack Black get hit by a glass. We don't see him, like, gone for a while and then show up as a baby. No, we see him turn into a baby. Yep. And it's set up a little bit because we know that this magical device messes with time. So, like, it kind of makes sense. It's absurd and it makes sense. He got struck by a got hit by it so it makes sense it wasn't like it wasn't just blasted all at once so yeah, yeah. so uh all the way in third place is where i put the sleepy hollow thing and i think that just connects with me from my childhood right it's one of those things that i saw when i was really young and i connected to and it made me interested in animation and it made me interested in ghost stories and it made me interested in superstition and maybe it planted the seed that made me so interested in horror movies so I just have a special attachment to it. So there it goes all the way there. In second place, Spider-Man into the multiverse. See how much higher I put Spider-Man than you guys. That surprised me. Um, I, I, had, I knew it had a good reputation and I had a personal relationship with Spider-Man. And I was hoping that this nouveau popular Spider-Man would, would do the job. And for me, it really did. It was fun. It was funny. I think you're right. It was a little bit long and it had a lot of stuff in it. Maybe too much. But uh, I thought it was a really energetic, pure, feeling like a comic book Spider-Man movie. And I had fun with it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys know how I feel about The Simpsons. Yeah. 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 We all know that. Yeah. That's pretty much neutral neutral to us. (laughs) Yeah. I placed mine at second place, which is nothing to scoff at. No, no, that's not bad. And you put it at number one, so we yeah. did agree at least in one place. Yeah. Never, I thought we had one other thing. But we're all winners because we had fun, you guys. Yeah. You know, um, this is the season finale for the seventh season of Rankin Review. I've done 175 episodes of this podcast as of this moment. And I've written a bunch of plays, and I've written a bunch of short stories, and I produced and acted in a short film, and I produced and co-directed and wrote a a feature film, and I've written a bunch of poems, and I've done a lot of writing, but you know the best thing I did? What? You guys. Aww. That's a schmaltzy dad joke thing way to end the, 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 the podcast, but it's just true. I really like that I did this podcast with you guys, and I appreciate you doing that with me. We don't have to agree on the movies, but we all enjoyed watching yeah. movies together, right? I thought you were yeah. just going to say, I thought you were just going to end with, we don't have to agree that uh, that we were the best things you made. We don't. I mean, what am I going to do? Ground you? Yeah. I mean, we're quarantined. <laughs> You're going to kick us out. We're going to watch these six movies until you agree with me, boys. Fine. Fine. I'll get more popcorn. <laughs> Good deal.
So endeth the seventh season of Rankin Review. I love those boys. Those boys are awesome. Thanks to Owen and Tristan for doing that podcast. Feel free to send friendly feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. As I usually do at the end of a season, I'm going to take a little bit of time off and get some new episodes recorded and start off a really solid season eight. So Rankin Review will be back on October 21st, 2020. Look forward to that. We're going to be doing a Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. And I really do appreciate your ears. If you're looking for something to listen to during the gap, please check out the Terror Table podcast. Please check out the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. Check out Cobwebs, a gothic horror podcast. And check out Welcome to Riverdale. These are all podcasts hosted by friends of mine, and uh, they're all quality shows, so you can fill your ears with them. Also, during these strange days, you guys, stay safe, stay healthy.